Welcome and thank you for joining us here for the Bread of Life, a ministry of the Bread of Life Fellowship of Boise, Idaho. Bread and water is what we need and what we have in Jesus Christ. He said, come to me and drink. He said, I am the bread of life. However we adorn our Christian faith, it rests in this most basic thing. Christ is all. Let's learn from him. Let's learn about him. Now here's our teacher, Joel Van Hoogen. When Micah in Micah 5.2 gave the promise to Bethlehem that though she was the least in Judah, out of her would rise up the Messiah, there was not an appreciation for that promise because at that time Bethlehem was not the least but one of the greatest cities in Judah. A fortress of the nation's king was built overlooking her walls. But by the time Christ was born there in Bethlehem, the town had receded into obscurity. The old fortress was in ruins, and in its place Herod, the mongrel king of the Romans, had built his gloating fortress over them, and from this place he demanded the people to come to be taxed. Now the promise could be appreciated as never before. It is when we reach our lowest depths that the promises of salvation reach their heights of blessing in our lives. And under Herod, the Romans called for a census to take place. Basically what they did is they wanted to number every person in their country because they put a tax on their head. They taxed you to live. They taxed you for your existence. And so each individual was to come back to in the census that was the purpose of setting a tax upon the head of all the people to go back in the coffers of Herod and the Romans. A census was called and everyone was forced back to go to their ancestral home, their ancestral village. And as a result, the people are now straggling their way into the various towns and villages throughout Israel. And there are people now straggling their way into Bethlehem, the city of David as well. But as they walk into Bethlehem, no royalty walks into its streets. There's no kings and no princes or lords. There's no processionals. There's no fanfare. There's no regal claim. Instead, those who walk into the streets of Bethlehem are shepherds, carpenters, and common laborers. They are the nation's labor force. The line of David has fallen from the pinnacle to the pit. There's where Bethlehem is. Bethlehem is at its low point. The name, the city of David, is a reminder of crushed dreams and lost opportunities. It is a lesson of how the mighty had fallen. And Bethlehem is just now a little meek town. Now let's read Micah 5.2 again. But you, Bethlehem Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, though you are not big enough to be reckoned with. Yet out of you shall come forth to me, the one to be ruler in Israel, whose going forth are from of old, from everlasting. You see, it's at this low point that the Savior comes to be born. It's here at the point, at this point of humility and brokenness that a compensation rises up from God's own hand. A compensation of providence comes at this low point. It's, it's here that the greatness of his son originates or rises in the land. And this is just the point I want to make. I don't know where you're at, where your life finds you. My guess is that many of you by now have discovered that you've slid from the list of the things you thought you were going to accomplish or be or do. I imagine there are numbers of you who could assay your life and you could sum up the history of your life and you could write at it as a title, life is not fair, life is not just. 
Life is filled with inequities. And you could begin to, if you allowed yourself to go along that stream, it's honest, it's truthful, a person could allow themselves to be lost in a sense of self-pity and a sense of self-loathing and sadness. And it's an interesting thing, by the way, that when Christmas comes, you have this sense of celebration and the wonder of Christmas, but in the light and fanfare of Christmas, it seems to accentuate to a lot of people not what they've gained, but what they've lost. They become depressed or discouraged or disappointed. Well, here's the word for you. Here's the word that comes to Bethlehem Ephrata. There is compensation for sorrow and suffering from God's own hand. There is a condescension of God in which he comes down to bring himself near to those who are filled with cares and concerns. There is a readiness of God to hallow the common and the humble place. There is a reward that God crafts for us in our valleys that he could never give us on our mountaintops. It's not that there's any merit in our poverty. It's not because there's any merit in our pain or in our sorrow or in in the pit. But the reality is that what God reveals is that there's hope there. Our look upon suffering is different as Christians. When we have hardships and difficulties and sorrows and trials, we don't look upon those sufferings in a cynical fashion. We now understand the rest of the story. We now have had the gospel story done upon us. And the Christian perspective is on difficulty is not to raise up a lament against the inequities and the inequalities of life, against its unfairness. The challenge, the Christian perspective is that the gospel has changed all of that. It's the belief that God hears the cries of his people, that we come nearest to his salvation when we are brought low and we are brought away from shallow points of satisfaction in ourselves in our own well-being, and we're brought away from those things that we could satisfy ourselves in order that we might find something bigger and better that God is crafting for us. You see, for the Christian, our perspective is on every setback and every difficulty in the midst of any challenge, in the midst of every point in which our supposed nobility is diminished, our supposed dreams of our greatness is somehow under attack when we confront our weakness and the bleakness of life, and we lose a sense of ourselves and an argument for ourselves, and we become meek. It's at that very point in which God whispers his song of hope, his song of purpose, his design to come to us and fill us and live within us and be born in us in a sense. His design to, in that place, by his own power and by his own life, give us bread that is bread indeed and drink that is drink indeed to give us himself, to give us the Lord Jesus. Last night I was reading through some quotes that I had written out in the past and I came upon this quote. It was amusing on the fact that when you go around the world and you study the art of all the rest of the world, you find that it tends towards gaudy things and fanciful pictures and lots of gold and bold expressions. That's what the world seems to like. If you go into homes of people, you'll find that these pictures of big, huge palaces and big golden objects and wonderful, majestic scenes. I came back after that and I wrote this, give me a picture of a crooked shack alongside a crooked creek any day to some painting of Atlantis or El Dorado or of a marble palace. It is humble settings that I find most beautiful and even most hopeful. I don't know if this sensitivity is true in other parts of the world, but I think it is true in all of the Christian world.
Christ changed something when he came. When Christ came, he changed our perspective on what is good and what's beautiful and where we lie our anticipations and where our hope rests. And our hopes rest in the humble place, in the bleak and weary place of Bethlehem. The Christian sees in all of this that God's hand is weaning them from the milk of this world and weaning them from the pleasures that this world, the temporary pleasures that this world has to offer in order that instead he might begin to feed us and build within us an appetite for what we just spoke of, an appetite for that bread which is Jesus Christ and his body and his life, that drink which is his blood, his life given to us and shed for us, in order that we might eschew and turn away from the things that the world offers us and the greatness that we once dreamt of having within the framework of the world in order instead in the humble and broken and contrite heart we might be inhabited by the holy glory of God. Paul knew the secret. Paul knew the reality that it was in the humble place and in the place of seeming insignificance that God expressed his greatness. That's why Paul said, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. It's why in Philippians 3.8, Paul says this. Paul says, yea, doubtless, even on those times when he might gather around himself some resume of greatness and accomplishment in his life, he says, yea, doubtless, I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung gain. The lowly place, the broken place, the contrite place, the place of seeming insignificance is the place where the light dawns, where the Savior reigns and rules. You see that? I don't know how to communicate this you know, one of the fears I always have when I come at Christmas time is I end up waxing poetic during the Christmas season. I end up seeing things less in terms of words and arguments and phrases instead in pictures and images of the grace of God moving upon the earth. I hope somehow that touches you and that speaks to you. But there's a truth here. The reality is that the enemy would want to grind people into dust until they're willing to give up altogether and think that everything is useless and fruitless, and to cause them to somehow dwindle down into a whimper and die and fade away. But God wants to meet us at that low point, even though he lets the enemy at times even work us over. He lets us come to that low point at that point so that we would lose hold of ourselves and claim the gift instead that he wants to give us. There is compensating grace at the low points of life. God loves to reach to the low point of our lives and there offers greatest prizes. It is at that point where we know our weakness and we lose our boast in our own way and in our own strength and it's at that point where we're ready in meekness to seek and receive the compensation of His good grace, the compensation of a gracious, divine and sovereign Savior who is determined to be our shepherd and live in our lives for the glory of and good pleasure of God. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. We come, O Christ, to Thee, true Son of God and man, by whom all things consist and whom all life began. How should we come? We come, O God, upon our knees. We come, O God, bowed before You. We come, as we sang, with all mortal flesh keeping silence and with fear and trembling stand pondering nothing earthly-minded, seeking, O God, instead the blessing 
in your hand. Christ our God to earth descendeth, our full homage to demand. Oh God, we come to you to worship you, not with boast or pride or jest, but in sincerity, bowed before you. May we account now of every act at which you sought to humble us and break us, the act of a loving and true and faithful God seeking to mold us and shape us into a vessel fit to receive, a humble place fit to receive the King of kings and Lord of lords. Oh God, may we be more like the manger in Bethlehem, lowly, bent, bowed, ready to receive your compensating grace. It's been our privilege through the years to offer the Treasure Valley the ministry of the Bread of Life. I'm Joel Van Hoogen, Executive Director of the International Missions Ministry, Church Partnership Evangelism. I moved to Boise with my family over 21 years ago to give leadership to a ministry I partnered in beginning in Canada in 1989. While establishing our international work from Boise, we also formed a small fellowship whose heart was to be all about promoting missions from our community to the ends of the earth. You might know that local fellowship as the Bread of Life Fellowship Church. It's been a blessing to be a part of a local ministry that gives almost all its income to support the work of missions and evangelism around the world. To learn more about church partnership evangelism and to help support that work, please go to cpeonline.org. Or if you're interested to learn more about a fellowship birthed around missions, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Now may God give you a great vision for the year to come. Until our next broadcast, God bless you.